0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the AllMonster.com Monster Truck Podcast. We're going to be hitting you with a couple of episodes over the break. This one is going to break down the happenings that have been in the Monster Jam and Monster Truck world, as well as breaking down a few things we think you should look out for in the upcoming first quarter, the upcoming Monster Truck season. Then, in another episode, as you guys are enjoying your holiday gifts we're going to answer some of your questions, comments, and everything from YouTube, Twitter, and elsewhere. If you guys would ever like to send us a more long-form message, email, anything like that, you can hit us up at dheart at allmonster.com or rhot at allmonster.com. So, all that being said, one of the two of us has been to a Monster Truck show recently, and I'm going to get let you guess who that was. Hint, it's not me. Dustin, hello, how have your shows been, what has your life been like, and... I heard you were flown to a secret location to take pictures of a cool new monster truck.
1: I I don't know about all that. Uh, but you know, I've been all over a little bit. It feels like, uh, things have kind of slowed down. I'm very bored sitting at home right now, doing a ton of desk work here before first quarter gets rolling. But, uh, yeah. So since we last had our podcast together, I keep still kind of trying to remember exactly when that was, but it's been a minute. And, uh, Managed to make it up to Minneapolis, checked out the event out there at U.S. Bank Stadium. Good time, plenty of good people. And then most recently, uh, managed to make a quick trip up to see one Cole Venard and the brand new Black Pearl Monster Truck. Uh, everybody, I think, now has probably seen it across social media. Launched the announcement of the truck yesterday uh, as of... Uh, December 19th, I guess it is right now. What day is it? I don't know. Uh, that's a good thing. I never matter. know what day it is unless there's a monster truck show involved. That's how my life revolves. I'm not sure <laughs> what that says about me. Uh, probably a lot of portable things. But the same regardless. as the people that are listening, man. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I had the chance to go and check out the truck yesterday. Uh, Cole invited me to come check it up. Uh, get some pictures of it and uh, shout out to Jamie and Deidre for always being super cool. Treating me like family. They got a hold of Cole, and we're like, hey, send Dustin up there to go get some stuff for this truck. We need to have something to announce with it. So uh, very cool to be one of the first people to take a look at the truck in its finished form. Uh, It's a fantastic piece. Beautiful. Love the theme. Uh, I've always had a soft spot for pirate-themed stuff. Uh, As some of you uh, throwback Monster Shark Madness 2 dorks, tell me where you've heard this before, us talking about Monster Shark Madness 2. Blackbeard. Uh, Blackbeard is schizo for life. Anyway.
0: Uh, yes. yeah, dude, uh, so, Black Pearl, what, what was his, what was his, did you ta- get to talk to him about the name? Any, uh, uh, any explanation for exactly what it is for those of us that may not be pirates?
1: No, um, didn't really get a chance to talk to him about, you know, the, the concept behind the truck, if you will. Um, I think it's kind of natural in this part of the country here, um, located in an area where there is a ton of pirate history. Uh, for those that are not aware, Colvin Art is living around the Outer Banks, North Carolina, where I'm from. Um, Outer Banks, North Carolina, were notorious for pirates over the years, like Blackbeard. So much for the uh, secret location. Thanks a lot. Well, <laughs> well, uh, you know, my old Monster Madness 2 truck back in the day was Blackbeard. Uh, there's plenty of uh, pirate lore, though, around here, all kinds of history uh, you know, my hometown is named in pirate lore. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, different pirate connections. So it was kind of really fitting that, uh, that, you know, the pirate theme kind of came about. Um, and then, you know, the truck looks really cool. It's got a lot of little intricate details within the wrap, uh, folks at AG wraps up in Virginia beach were the ones that, um, came up with the, everything for it and did a wrap. Uh, the truck, as uh, a lot of people probably noticed it's, Pretty similar in construction to Overboard. Basically, everything that they have learned from Jamie Garner's truck over the last year or so, anything that they wanted to change, modify, adjust, whatever, they put it into the creation of this new piece. Uh, Colvinard, as we've seen over the last couple of years, fantastic driver. Um, He's been a wizard in the smaller arena setting, really hasn't had a whole lot of stadium time other than the World Finals. Um, but he's getting right into it this year and going after it, you know, five straight weekends of stadium action for him and Jamie Garner. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see how he adapts on the fly, you know, to a a new truck and b into a little bit of a new environment. Um, If his world finals freestyle was any indication, he's pretty well at home and can adapt pretty quickly to the stadium environment. Um, So, you know, he's got a piece that is capable of going toe-to-toe with everybody and anybody, so uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see what Cole is, you know, how everything goes for first quarter, and, you know, it'll be fun to follow the results and see, hey, maybe they get a shot at Vegas this year, whether it be Jamie or Cole or both. I am on board after seeing,
0: no pun intended, board. Uh, I am on board with seeing both of those trucks end up in Vegas. Jamie... Really impressed me. I believe that was St. Louis where he got the second place finish, completed the backflip. Outstanding, man. You can't ask for much more than good, clean, strong freestyle runs. I'm not taking anything away from the guys that are sitting there. And, you know, they have maybe a little more budget. No offense. Rolling over, doing stuff like that. But there's nothing more like the... the One of my favorite freestyles of all time is is uh, Adam Anderson and Taz from World Finals Nine. But the only bone that I have to pick with that freestyle is at the end, he made kind of a questionable hit and uh, and, and dumped the truck, uh, rolled it over. But at the end of the day, he rolled that thing back over and was able to drive it into the trailer. And I thought that was the coolest thing. You went out there and had a great, clean freestyle run, didn't tear up any equipment, and you drove it back into the trailer. Like, I could see that happening with both Cole and with Jamie in first quarter. And that is a fearsome two-truck team independent style too so crazy crazy i would love to see that happen in vegas but we're getting a little ahead of ourselves uh speaking of of cole and his abilities behind the wheel of course was an outstanding crewman for a long time and would really like to have him on the podcast to talk about things so hopefully there was some seeds planted as well as some pictures taken uh what else did you get to talk to him about if anything while you were up there taking pictures
1: um you know just kind of the general approach the first quarter this year um you know they've been working hard on both trucks. Uh, they've taken overboard completely down to the down to the bare chassis, repowder coated. They've made some tweaks and adjustments so it'll match up even better with the new truck. Um, right now they're in the process of reassembling everything. Uh, the front end was back into the truck as of yesterday. Uh, they're working on putting in some Lexan stuff like that rebuilding the rear of the truck, eventually getting the motor and everything in the truck as well. Um, you know, this is a it's kind of a tough time of year because everybody is, you know, in their first quarter crunch, but also trying to do, you know, family stuff with it being around the holiday season. I know Cole's heading out of town to go back home to South Dakota for a few days and get to see his family around Christmas. But then, you know, once he gets back home, it is, you know, all hands on deck, no pun intended. Getting after it and getting both of those trucks uh, 110% before they hit the road for first quarter. Um, first show out is in Tampa, which is, you know, always got some eyes and expectations around it. It's one of the longest running, you know, stadium events in the country. You're in Feld Entertainment's back, backyard, if you will, uh, being there at Raymond James Stadium. You know, there's a, there's a lot of eyes that go under that show, especially with it being one of the first stadium shows of the season.
0: Yeah, and... Just a quick story. I don't know. remember if I've told this on the podcast before, but I remember when Cole was a crew chief for the legend at the time, Grave Digger, the legend, Adam Anderson. Uh, Adam had an issue, I believe, with an axle uh, between rounds of racing, and that was just when Monster Jam was starting to really crack down on how many people could be in the pits and what you could do between rounds And, and, of course, some to somewhat during rounds of racing. Basically, you got to get everybody off the floor, or your truck has to go back to the back to the tunnel to get stuff done to it. And I remember just being absolutely floored that Cole was able to swap everything out and get Adam running again in about. It, it seemed like 15 minutes. I remember going up at going up to him after the show and going, dude, that was an amazing job on that. I think it was Axel, and he just looked at me like, first of all. Like, who are you? (laughs) And second of all, thanks, man. Like, he was really, like, he meant it, you know? And it was really cool to see that. He took pride in his work, is my point. And if he takes, uh, you know, he's going to take that same approach and that much more because he's going to be behind the wheel of one of them. And, uh, of course, still has, you know, the opportunity to do some great stuff for Jamie, too. I I just see a lot of great things out of that. I think that uh, Cole is, for lack of better words, really motivated. Uh, He took an, an Arena Series championship already on his resume in just a few short years of driving been to vegas done all that stuff and i think the fire burns within cole to get back there somehow this is a great start
1: yeah absolutely um you know with cole's current situation he's trying to start a business at home and you know get that off the ground and everything like that so he won't be a 110 percent, you know full-time driver you won't see cole at all the summer events but uh, at least when it comes to this coming first quarter and, you know, maybe some of the bigger Monster Gym events that come up after first quarter and maybe some of the bigger independent events and beyond, um, we may see Cole jumping in. But uh, as I understand it right now, you know, it'll be, you know, kind of some split driver duty after first quarter, possibly seeing some different identities going on to that chassis. I believe Deidre even made mention that there would be a miss overboard body for that truck as well. All right. Um, So, you know, uh, the team is definitely improving. uh, Anytime Jamie Garner commits to something, he commits 110%. And uh, there's no doubt when you look at that piece that they committed 110%. And that's a first class piece of equipment and something that's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year.
0: 110%, man. All right. Anything else on Black Pearl you can divulge? Last chance.
1: Cole, come on the podcast, man. Let's talk. (laughs) <laughs> no nah, it's just gonna be a fun thing to watch man i mean it, it, to see somebody you know go from such a, a, a position of prestige if you will and being a great digger driver and then kind of changing gears and having a lot of things happen within life over the course of a year um you know he had stepped away from things and was thinking he was going to be away from monster trucks for a little while and then suddenly you know a, a really great opportunity comes about and You know, you get asked to drive a brand new piece of equipment from one of the best independent teams in the country. You know, how do you turn it down? So, um, you know, I want to wish Cole the absolute best of luck. I know he is super excited to, you know, get behind the wheel and really showcase what he can do.
0: Absolutely, man. Awesome. Well, uh, you were also at a show in Minneapolis earlier in the month. And, of course, that is the second year that we've had a Minneapolis show at the brand new stadium. So, quick thoughts, rundown, maybe a little bit of uh, your impressions from the show. I think by now everybody's pretty much gotten the results, uh, but what did you see while you were there? We're trying to bring them some extra, you know, you guys that are, are fans of burritos and slap wheelies aren't always a fan of the rundown of the results. You want to hear <laughs> what, uh, what went on in the pits, what went on in the background, and what impressions the, uh, the
1: first person view was. So, uh, what did you see You're out not- there? Yeah, they're not interested in the tortilla. They're interested in what's inside the burrito.
0: Oh, I, that analogy is A+. Guys, figure out a hashtag. I'm not going to do that multimedia <laughs> crap, but, like, come on, man. Give, give, give your boy a hashtag. Give Dustin a shout-out for that one. Anyway, so what, so what was in your burrito in, in Minneapolis?
1: Uh, it was a carnage-flavored burrito. <laughs> Dude, like, it, I don't know if everybody else's general impression uh, of the show was the same, but I kind of was, I was kind of surprised that some folks maybe kind of putting their brains in their back pocket and just going after it. Uh, sometimes that works out pretty well, uh, sometimes not so much. Uh, we saw a little bit of both uh, in Minneapolis. There was definitely a fair share of carnage. Uh, the two wheel skills competition, there's still a lot of growing pains there, but there is a lot of brightness that I think is going to come from that. Um, there's probably going to be plenty of follies for the low light reel coming out of the two wheel competition for this coming first quarter as everybody's kind of getting used to trying some new and different stuff. Um, But there's also going to be some pretty uh, awesome highlights. Um, You know, we saw Leo Donald really trying to work on the, the the nose wheelie Uh, first attempt went pretty well, you know, got it far enough past vertical, if you will, on the nose to, more or less almost take the front clip off. And then the second time just got it a hair too far over. And, you know, maybe if he had another 20 feet or so, he could have really stood in it to try and pull it back around, but it didn't quite work out. Um, but, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, Jib Kohler and Avenger kind of just decided to turn the contest on its head and just be like, hey, you know what? I'm not very good at this here, you know, Popper or Moonwalkie or, you know, whatever, you know, you know, silly trick you want to kind of throw out there. Caller's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go out there and do two really stupid, good wheelies. And you know, he pulled that off. Um, Corey Rummel and rage, try to get himself a, a nice little bicycle going, but, uh, truck got a little bit too far over a little too fast. Truck carried a little bit too much momentum and he found himself into a dumpster pretty quick, but, uh, it looked impressive. And then people in the crowd were uh, pretty amped up about it. Um, but for the most part, there really weren't a ton of highlights, if you will. Uh, there was definitely a few rollovers, some things not working out quite so well. But um, I think that's just going to be something that's going to have to, you know, you're just going to have to deal with some of the growing pains of it. It's a new competition. It's a new thought. And it's probably going to have some rough nights. But I think if Monster Jam is fully committed to it, and which it seems like they are, that there are going to be spectacular moments to come from this as everybody gets used to, you know, just trying out some new stuff and getting out of their comfort zone to basically try and, you know, pick up a competition win. It's going to be a huge part of the you know, the overall event standings and the the whatever point series may you know come about for this upcoming first quarter.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of risk involved and a lot of finesse involved as well, you know. I the the impression that I got as well was You're asking a new driver, potentially, maybe some people that don't have as much experience to hop into a stadium and not only to do the normal big stadium racing, big stadium freestyle, out of their comfort zone to begin with, but also, hey, I want you to take this 10, 12, 14,000-pound monster truck and I want you to just stand it on its nose for 15 seconds. Or I want you to do an amazing slap wheelie. For for, you know, all the way across the floor. Bring it down, not reckon in the dumpster. Don't roll over. Don't break anything because we have other stuff in the show to do. Uh that's a lot of pressure on a new driver. You know? I, I think that's a lot to ask. Uh to which much is given, much is, you know, earned or whatever you say about that. But at the same time, man, that is a lot to take in. I think that's tough for the new drivers. We'll we'll get into some of the new drivers and some of the new stuff. Uh, either later on or in the other uh, podcasts. A lot of people are asking about the new faces and the new things. But that's just, that was an impression for me is that you're pushing everybody towards the top, you know, uh, Tyler and Adam and Ryan and Tyler Duke and Leo Donald. The experience at the top is definitely the results at the top as well. So for a new person, that's a distinct disadvantage, and you don't get much
1: practice time either. No, but, you know, I, I think it's going to foster some really, you know, unique things to come about. Uh, and I was talking with Tyler Menninger earlier, or not earlier, but a little while back, and he was already kind of saying, i got to come up with something else mm-hmm. other than, you know, the walk in the wheelies or doing the moonwalks or whatever. Was, i got to come up with something else because people are catching on. Everybody's going to start to try it because, okay, they see how much success I've been getting with being able to do this, In the arena environment, it's starting to cross over into the stadiums with, you know, what Ryan Anderson has done. Others are trying it. So, you know, what are you going to do now that other people are kind of catching on to what you're doing to separate yourself from the pack and stay ahead of the curve? And that's going to be an interesting challenge because I'm kind of wondering, what the heck else do you do? Yeah. But Tyler says he's got some stuff up his sleeves. He wasn't quite quick to reveal to me exactly what he was working on or what he was scheming up in his brain. But, uh You know, the fact that he and Ryan and Adam and Kristen and a whole host of other monster truck drivers are all kind of clustered right around here on the Outer Banks. Uh, There's probably a lot of evil, maniacal ideas going around that are brewing about what in the heck these guys are going to continue to try and, you know, push the sport further. Uh, I mean, just think, you know, Ryan and Tyler in the same room just scheming up ideas. that's a terrifying thought for the rest of the world (laughs) it's a terrifying thought for the crew guys it's a terrifying thought for
0: everybody involved but it's that good fear you know that intense like oh man what a rush uh yeah innovation very important i feel you and i think when you're sitting here and you're talking about innovation i i'm thinking about motocross and freestyle motocross and that you know, back in the day, it was it was Metzger doing the backflip at the X Games, and then everybody did a backflip. Stop me if this sounds familiar. They're getting things down more. Uh, like there's, You know, I was talking about inexperience towards the uh, newer end of the spectrum, but more and more people are hopping on the backflip train. More and more people are hopping on the moonwalk train. So what's next? Well, the innovators are the ones that are remembered. You remember Metzger was the first one to do the backflip. You remember, you know, things like that the trick is going to be to make this feel fresh after a couple of years of seeing backflips and moonwalks or, you know, I hope that we don't get to a point where everybody goes,
1: eh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, in in, in oversaturation is such a thing, you know, the freestyle motocross world can tell you that firsthand that, you know, when you watch a run that, you know, had six backflips out of a you know two minute run or whatever. You know, it starts to actually get a little bit stale after a while. I mean, like, okay, I've seen it, but what else are you gonna do? And that's when the thing the bar... is,
0: it's like if that's if it's that easy, why isn't everybody
1: doing it? And and if it's that easy, it's boring. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think you know as times have progressed and everything like that. I mean, you look back just a few years ago, you weren't kind of guaranteed a truck would you know, be able to stick a backflip because drivers were still very new to it. And, you know, not every show was used to getting a backflip ramp. And then all of a sudden about 2015, you know, every show was getting a backflip ramp. But, you know, the ramps weren't always reliable. The drivers, you know, didn't quite have it down pat as far as how they approached it. But, you know, within the last couple of years, it has become more and more of a certainty, if you will, that, At least one side of a backflip ramp is going to be quality enough to to pull it. Um, And, you know, we've seen it, you know, more shows, more often than not, you know, even in less than ideal conditions. I mean, we've seen it in mud shows, you know, out in Santa Clara, you know, Ryan Anderson stuck one or I think or maybe one of the Tampa shows, whichever. But, you know, if these guys are willing to hit them in less than ideal conditions where there's next to nothing for traction and still go after it, I mean, Um, Nashville a year ago we had a rainstorm roll through right before showtime and track wasn't in bad shape but down by the backflip ramp it was a section of the floor that really hadn't been run over during the course of event and then all of a sudden you know a couple of drivers go out there and say hey you know what we're going for it and you know Chuck Warner went after it and Scott Buto went after it and they were massive huge arced out backflips they didn't come back all the way around the way that they wanted to but um, you know the ramp you know, carving and everything like that, as far as how they approach it and how they are getting these things to be so consistent, you know, hats off to the dirt crew for really, you know, taking their time and putting in the homework now to, to get it to where it is pretty reliable most show to show. Um, you know, but yeah, I think, you know, part of that also kind of brings in a negative aspect in it and that it's gotten a little bit easier for everybody else to figure out how to do it because it's that much more consistent and that much more reliable to expect how the ramp's going to be. Um, So yeah, now you've got to kind of innovate a little bit and come up with a different approach to things. You know, uh, I've been to you know different events and you know somebody says I don't really feel like I should have to do a backflip here this weekend. You know, so and so is going to do one, so and so is going to do one. So, you know, I'm going out second to last or last or whatever. Why why go out there and do something that everybody else has already done? Yeah, take a look through the order, especially if
0: you're on the back half of that field. Take a look through the order. Maybe your plan changes based on what the front half does. I,
1: I can understand that. Yeah, you know, you kind of come in with a different strategy and then say, hey, you know what, maybe if everything else goes to plan and I find myself at the end of the floor there with 10 seconds left, all right, fine, I'll throw it. But, um, you know, after a while, if you've already had six or seven backflips during the course of a show, it kind of starts to lose its luster. Yeah. And I think... I think that definitely does kind of play into the mind of how you strategize things. You know, we've seen plenty of amazing and spectacular freestyles go down without and without a backflip. I think some of the best freestyles that have ever happened have been without a backflip. So it's definitely, you know, with it being fan judging, obviously I think having a backflip thrown into your repertoire and can definitely boost your scores. I mean, we've seen it more than once where teams like, you know, driver gets an overinflated score just because of a backflip, but you know, I I think as things start to progress and the backflip kind of becomes more and more commonplace, you know, it's going to continue to be more and more just like another move. It's going to be, yeah, it's obviously more risky than a slap wheelie, but, you know, how much more difficult is it? You mentioned Chuck Warner. I just want to mention Chuck Warner
0: is one of my favorite drivers to watch. Please put Chuck Warner in a maximum destruction truck one day, guys. Uh, besides that, he is one of the guys that it's done or attempted the corkscrew or the 360 or whatever you would like to call it in motocross it's called a 360 and monster trucks we either call it a corkscrew or a 360. okay mcqueen has attempted it twice uh you could say he successfully made it uh but also broke the truck uh, i think if somebody can get that down maybe that's your next progression also takes a lot more finesse a little bit more degree of difficulty than even a backflip and uh you saw warner hit it you saw mcqueen hit it those are awesome uh i think that you know we also saw neil elliott do the reverse backflip uh that lyle hancock tried kind of a weird bookend right kyle lyle hancock had said in wrench head he was going to try that over the big trailer at the first world finals and here we are at you know almost 20 years later and it was successfully done albeit uh you know it was neil elliott he probably could have done it in a rear engine truck or a mid-engine truck but he did it in a front engine truck There are little, little inklings of what we're talking about happening. And I hope that, uh, things continue to progress that way. And the art of maneuvering a 14,000 pound, 12,000 pound, 10,000 pound monster truck in the air and returning it to safety continues to progress.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to kind of continue on with, you know, how Minneapolis was, um, you know, aside from some of the carnage factor, um, that I was talking about earlier, there were some pretty spectacular moments. Um, Todd Dukes freestyle, uh, from start to finish was fantastic. Uh, typical Todd Duke run. I mean, that dude goes out there and gives it his all. Every time he hits the floor for freestyle, you know what you're going to get from Todd Duke. It's going to be ragged edge. It's going to be big. There's going to be something wild throw in there. You know, he's definitely one of those guys. that's very good at the backflip. Usually sticks them clean is able to keep them, keep it rolling. Uh, so, you know, just another fantastic run from Todd Duke. Um, Ryan Anderson uh, was a little bit disappointed with his freestyle run just simply because he kind of – I think he got into his mind that he had to go absolutely bonkers to try and top Todd LaDuke's run and just, you know, went a little too big too soon. Uh, You know, the jump trying to clear Max D obviously didn't work out uh, because he landed right square on Max D. Uh, Not really the way that I think Ryan wanted that to go. And then I think he was probably just a little bit too amped up that the thing was still together after that yeah. happened, yeah. And uh, just found himself in a bad spot, you know, cartwheeling the truck around. Um,
0: what a I, rook, I... right? That's what. That's what Tyler Monegas said on uh, Instagram. Apparently, there's a joke going back and forth that Tyler and uh, and and Ryan explained to each other over Instagram that uh, apparently when a when a move like that is made and they do not come out the other side of it with all four wheels down. Uh, they they tell each other what a rook, what a rookie move, right? So apparently Tyler Tyler found it in his good heart to give uh, Ryan the appropriate amount of crap for rolling the truck in Minneapolis. So Ryan responded on Instagram with, "Oh, so you know you can see right here in this clip, it's Vegas <laughs> of uh, of a fan of uh, Tyler's. Apparently you." Have to do the love you or rock sign with the index finger and the pinky finger. You have to throw the horns, to, man. You have to throw the horns, and you have to throw them as close together as possible. So, if you guys Old see Tyler, Dio style. if you, if 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 you guys see Tyler, just throw him the horns, and uh, we'll be sure to do the same with him if he hops on the podcast. But yeah, apparently that was a rookie move according to Tyler.
1: Yeah, you know, coming in from the top rope is not usually the way you want to uh, approach a freestyle, but uh, that happened, (laughs) and uh, it was definitely an interesting moment, that's for sure. I'm sure the boys in Paxton were probably not super stoked about that, but I think they totally understand what was happening. I don't think anybody thought Ryan was intentionally going to try and, you know, just slam the truck. Uh, You know, they definitely want to go all out to win, but uh, Ryan, I think, has enough respect for everybody else's equipment to to not— purposely body slam anybody's truck um and then you know the truck on the receiving end of it max d tom metz uh had a pretty good run himself yeah uh, i felt like it was one of the more classic max d runs that we've seen from tom since he's come back from injury um you know, definitely had kind of a little bit of a throwback vibe to it. You know, he's getting after it, going hard. Accidentally made contact with a couple of trucks as well, which was uh quite common in Tom's uh past freestyles. Uh <laughs> just a just a tough deal with the amount of carnage that was littered across the floor there. Um and that, that closing hit where he kind of went up to the uh the side of the jackrabbit and just floored it. I always, I thought maybe that thing might kick around enough to kind of half backflip, kind of like he did back in Stockholm. Yeah, I think it was back in like 08, somewhere around then. Um, kind of reminded me of uh, of the kind of the McMintz hit, as it was called back when it happened in Baltimore in uh, twenty eleven, when he hit the side of the bus stack with a flat tire, and the truck kind of kicked around and spun around. Um, but it was pretty yeah, wild. I mean, th- hell, throw
0: it back to the Goldberg days. He always did that. It was, I I think that is his signature. You know, mince thing. Elliot took to doing that as well. Neil Elliot. And I love it, man. I wish more people would do that. I don't know if they're not told. To, they're told not to do that. And Tom just says, whatever, shut up. But uh, either way, I love seeing that because it goes, I am not going to hit this track how you want me to hit this track. I see those cute, you know, dirt ramps that, that, are, that are groomed so well. And I, I see your dirt ramps that are groomed so well, and I raise you a finger, and I, I hit this dirt ramp this way, how I want to, and I have no idea what's going to happen. That aggression, that's that's the Max D style, and I love seeing that, man. I wish more guys would cross the track up like that, and, and just, you know, at the end of the run, take a chance. I don't view that as dumping the truck. I view that as, at the end, you're taking a chance on something. It's one thing to, you know, go into a donut and just do it until you roll over, or, hit something sideways where you have no idea, you know, you know that there's a 200% chance you're going to roll a truck over. It's another thing to cross this thing up from the side and go, all right, guys, let's see how this goes.
1: As Tom would say, sometimes you got to drive it like a 50-year-old man. <laughs> the, professor, well, you know, Tom... the
0: professor's the been doing good, though. I, 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 I don't want to use the term renaissance, but I, I think for a little while... <sighs> I don't I don't I, I hesitate to say like mellowed out but uh Tom Tom calmed down a bit just personality wise it seemed like in his interviews you know he had that quiet confidence thing going on for a while and I think sitting out for a while got him fired up again it just seems like now he's hit the track with a little bit a little bit extra.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, first show out, he was kind of still feeling some things out in Foxborough. And then afterwards, you know, he kept picking it up and turning up the wick a little bit more. You know, with the way that Tom runs, you know, some nights it's complete insanity. Other nights it's not so much fun because, you know, kind of go out there and with Tom's style, you know, it's all or nothing. And sometimes it's nothing yeah um you know you go a little bit too hard and you find yourself on your lid in a spot where you can't get all fours back to the ground and uh you know it's happened more than once that you know Tom's gone out there and it's been a 30 second freestyle run it usually ends spectacularly in that 30 seconds but um you know when he does seem to be getting these full pole runs again uh they're they're definitely notable yeah. uh Minneapolis was a pretty good freestyle run from him I felt like
0: yeah and uh kind of kind of uh the professor reminding everybody who taught the class right you know he's uh maybe maybe he's looked over and seen i mean this is just pure speculation but hey we're dorks we like to do this uh you know i think tom realizes okay well you know my my running mate my inspiration my uh my guy right beside me in the 50 year old <laughs> club uh is retired now you know tom's tom's the old vet uh, in the sport now and i think he's carrying that flag pretty well uh, by the way, we should put flags back on the trucks for the winner of the prior event.
1: I think that would be really cool for the stadium series or, you know, for any of these tours, you know, now that we're, you know, kind of having everything as a point series for each individual tour. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that come back, you know, and throw back to the old TNT days. And yeah. uh, speaking of the uh, 50-year-old club, uh, it'd be a shame to not bring up Jim Kohler's ridiculous uh, – hit to close out his freestyle run a little earlier than he anticipated. <laughs> uh, Jim Kohler is always and forever going to be a madman. All you have to do is look at his freestyle run from Minneapolis. You think you think Back-tried Jim's confident with up. his
0: equipment heading into the first quarter?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Kohler has always had complete faith in his truck being tough enough to take everything that he throws at it. I mean, we've seen some of the just absolute insane things that he's done. Uh, that new piece uh, was fantastic. And when everything comes together for him and, you know, nothing little and simple, no 10-cent park breakages on him, you know, you got to watch out for old Kohler. And, uh, you know, he was definitely getting after it. That backside or the step up, you know, reman- it reminded me of uh, the hit from, I think, his World Final 16 with the white Avenger body you know, back, you know, hit the backside of that one jump and pick pick a world finals. Okay. (laughs) It's just pick a world fight. You remember that one time when Kohler went huge? Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to be a little bit more specific. There's only about a hundred instances of Kohler going ridiculously huge, but, um, but yeah, you know, the truck came down, it looked like maybe it was a little scary, you know, at first, but you know, the backside of the truck hit a little bit first. It wasn't a straight cage shot. Kohler pops out like nothing happened. And he's just, you know, stoked. He's walking around the floor afterwards. like, hey, you know, it's only parts. It happened. We got a while before first quarter. It's no biggie. You know, he gave the green light to all four of the trucks. Hey, go out there and kill it. Do whatever. If you want to backflip it, backflip it. You guys are the ones that are turning the wrenches and putting them back together. As long as it goes back together before your first show, I'm all for it. Just go out there and have fun. Hey, shouts to the the young guns, no pun intended, in the Avenger camp. I see you,
0: Corey Rummel. I see you, Mike Thompson. I see you, all of you, doing an amazing job. And and uh, shouts to Mike as well. He does not know what to do with his hands, but he sure did know what to do with the truck tear for a little while until it broke down on him. Man, uh, that was impressive. I, I see great pieces in that camp. I'm glad they swapped some of the old iron out with some new iron. And uh, having having the go from Jim Kohler, that green light, with those those bits of equipment and all of the experience in that camp, on various other trucks, and turning the wrenches. I mean, that's that's just like we were talking about with Cole earlier. You know, these guys have great opportunities. They've worked their tails off, and now they get to run their tails off. That's a win. Those are all wins. Those are all good things. And I can't wait to see what they've got coming for us first quarter.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, Brad's been getting after it in the last, you know, few months. I feel like he's really grown leaps and bounds with his driving. I think he's that much more comfortable. There's always been flashes of brilliance with with Brad's driving. Yeah, uh, I think you know, you go back and look at his freestyle run from Detroit, you know, to close out the the FS1 East series it was a fantastic run. Uh, he's put together some big freestyles over the summer. He uh, had a, he picked up a win in Edmonton the first night on the Throwdown shows in Edmonton ran really hard when we were at Bridgeport Speedway, brought it into the fall Monster Jam shows, um, you know, really just kept getting after it. Um, the show that we, the one of the more recent shows, I think Houston, when he was running the Rod Ryan body, was a great freestyle from him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, carried it over into Minneapolis, maybe went a little too silly with the, the I, I guess you can almost call it the gap jump or the Morgan Kane jump. Yeah. Um, since they pretty much, throwing that ramp in there, I think, after Morgan Kane, you know, tried his cross from the, the jammer to the step-up uh, during the fall shows. Um, you know, he got a little bit too silly with that, and the truck paid the price for it. It was definitely beat up, but, uh, you know, it was putting together a good run. Corey didn't have the best night in the world. Uh, he was definitely uh, disappointed. But you know he's got a great piece. It just happened to be one of those nights where the gremlins found his way into his truck. Uh, He's got five more stadium events, you know, this coming first quarter to get after it and turn some heads. Uh, He did a lot of that during first quarter this year. He's going to continue to do so. And then yeah, as you were saying earlier, Mike Thompson doesn't know what to do with his hands. (laughs) That was one of the best moments ever. Thank you, thank you guys,
0: Uh, whoever's listening for highlighting a driver's personality in an interview and for and for letting them have some fun and not being uptight about things man that was so cool to see that highlighted everywhere and to just everybody's in on the joke and it's fun there's nothing wrong yeah. with that that was so shout cool. out
1: to scott jordan uh my, my boy scott jordan uh he was he was very well aware of what was happening and uh <laughs> you know was able to play off of it a little bit and you know, because uh, he picked up on it pretty quick. He had an idea, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, he he figured out very quickly what Mike was doing, and that it wasn't just, you know, awkwardness. It was actually planned, you know, to be his Ricky Bobby moment, or at least that was Mike Thompson's plan. I don't know if he let Scott Jordan in on it or not. I mean, that's there's but,
0: one thing. If he would have if he would have stripped down his underwear and run around, that's not cool. <laughs> but like. Doing that, you know that half the people in that stadium have seen that movie, and you know they were laughing, and you know that he made fans out of some of those people. I guarantee you, when he was in the autograph session, and he was signing stuff afterwards, everybody went up to him and went, dude,
1: you know, and did the thing. Like, come on, man. That was awesome. He was a social media sensation for one night and he had 55,000 people in U S bank stadium laughing, including myself. I was probably crying, laughing That's like a complete out. fool. Just but. outstanding. Outstanding. Love it so much. Uh, but it, he might've stole the show,
0: dude. Yeah. I was going to say, is there anything else to talk about with Minneapolis besides, uh, you know, Mike Thompson, uh, <laughs> doing, doing great things there. And in personality wise, definitely stealing
1: things. Um, great personalities of course you got to bring up adam anderson uh racing victory uh generally awesome dude another awesome freestyle from him uh i don't think it got enough hype for i mean he finished third but uh that was a really good freestyle run um not knock at scott buto in any way but i felt like adam's run was better probably should have scored higher but you're gonna have that adam went out quite a bit later afterwards and i think he also had to follow up Todd Leduc's run. So. Um, I could see why the scores maybe came in the way that they did. Um, and uh, Lindsey Wink uh, put the truck into the uh, finals. Two wheel didn't go the way that he wanted. Slap wheelie kind of just rocked over and didn't go to plan. But uh, another solid freestyle from Wink. Um, but yeah, all in all, Minneapolis was a fun time. A little bit carnage-filled, a little crazy, but uh, I think sometimes that's just going to happen with everybody knowing that it's their last show of the year. It's their last chance to let it all hang out and also know that uh, when it's all said and done with, they've got however many weeks left to get that truck back together and refresh for first quarter. And to practice our backflips, Bryce Kenny. <laughs> we had some good fun with that, man.
0: Uh, I ta- I was able to talk with Bryce a little bit, and uh, discuss everything heading into Minneapolis. Wanted to throw this little tidbit your guys' way. Uh, He's super stoked to be on board again with the great Clips people. They have uh, renewed everything for Monster Jam. Lots of exciting stuff coming out of that camp. And you guys know, if you listen to the Bryce Kenny podcast that we had him on, he's a driven fellow. He's got a great mind for the sport, great mind for motorsports. And I'm excited to see what he can do uh, after an impressive Year in Mohawk warrior. Now he gets to come back and do it again. And I'm excited to see what he's got going. He had some promising stuff going on and a pretty good run going until the, uh, the back flop. Uh, he's going to, he's, he told me afterwards that he's going to work on that and, uh, took it all in stride. You know, sometimes you hit the, hit the timing a little wrong. And we talked about how they're easy at quotation marks, but, uh, nothing with a big truck is ever easy.
1: No, I mean, you know, it, it, sometimes it goes, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, <laughs> not to quote trailer park boys too directly there, but, (laughs) but yeah, sometimes that's the way she goes, boys. That's the way she goes. She didn't go. She did not go that time. I don't know if he just got the timing wrong with it or, you know, he He, he took it all in stride. He's on Instagram
0: talking and saying, yeah, you know, I, uh, I messed up a little bit on that one. Didn't I boys? And you know, Good, good humor, good personality, good dude, and uh, he'll have haven't... plenty
1: of opportunities to, you know, get another idea at how to approach it. And I'm sure some others will be happy to share, you know, some tidbits as far as how to approach it in the future. And be like, okay, here's what I saw. Here's what I think you can adjust and do differently. And you know, with that stadium tour one, you know, lineup, he's got plenty of reliable people to kind of bounce the ideas off of. And then, you know, he's going to be going up against some pretty good competition all season long. So there's going to be more opportunities for him to be able to jump in there and try it again and, you know, push himself to another level, which, you know, it seems that they, you know, Monster Jam has faith and confidence in him so far that they've continued to put him in that truck, especially with uh, another, you know, a renewal and even bigger sponsorship deal with the, the folks at Great Clips. You know, they've, they've shown some faith in him and, uh, you know, there's a lot of confidence, you know, in him to do great things in the future. I think he's definitely capable. Hey
0: man, I'm excited anytime that there is some for lack of better words, big money sponsorship coming into the sport. And anytime that you can have a guy like Bryce get that backing, anytime that you can have monster trucks get that kind of backing. That's a that's a win. I don't care if you have to put 18 great clips logos in every seat in the house. If they're they're back in the sport, none of this stuff runs without green And, uh, I think it's great, man. You know, I'm excited that, you know, a company like that, I mean, I can go down the street 10 minutes and get a haircut from a great clips place. And most places can, it's, it's a really good deal. The fact that that comes in after, you know, frankly, there's some NASCAR places losing sponsorships and the fact that they would maybe leave a little support on the table from NASCAR and come over to monster jam. That says a lot. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, you know, there's a you know, there's a continuing growing um I think notice of the monster truck world. And There's a little bit of a change in the perception, I feel like it's getting, you know, there's still obviously a lot of that perception of it's dumb redneck hillbilly stuff boys. Woo! But yeah. uh you know, there I think there is a little bit more of a growing perception that it's a little bit more acceptable it's not just toothless hillbillies and big jacked up trucks there's more of an understanding that this is a wholesome family friendly thing it's exciting there's some genuine you know skill and talent behind the wheel of these vehicles it's not just crash them up smash them up crushing cars man you know there's there's all kinds of you know different aspects in of the sport that can appeal to people beyond just you know, oh, they crush cars, you know, you don't even really see that much car crushing these days, um, however you feel about that, but, um, you know, there's a lot of different dynamics now, Um, you know, you've got something that can kind of appeal to everybody, and, uh, you know, I think that says a lot to what Monster Jam has done, and uh, the sport as a whole has done to kind of change perspectives. 100%,
0: man, well, that, that leads us into a lot of stuff for first quarter, so, I, uh, I don't know where to go because it's such a big, massive topic. I don't think we could possibly ever cover everything. Uh, of course, there's a bajillion different promoters, a bajillion different things. We're usually Monster Jam-centric because that's part of what we do. Uh, Dustin's going to be on a specific, specific tour. I am actually going to, now that I'm settled out here on the West Coast, I'm going to attend a couple of shows myself, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I am 100% going to be in Oakland, California. If you see me, stop by and say hi. Uh, probably Sacramento as well. Uh, but I think before we go any any further, we did talk about the Kohler uh, the camp. We did talk about some of these independents. Uh, one of the big changes this year is running Monster Jam bodies on some of the independent trucks. We would be remiss if we didn't discuss this. I know you guys would hit me in the comments if we didn't discuss this. I... Just spoke about how I don't care if you put 18 Great Clips logos on everything as long as there is money coming into the sport. I understand wanting to develop your identity. I want. I, I understand as an independent that uh, there there's going to be half people that love this, half people that hate this, maybe more. Uh, I think depending on how the deal is cut, I'm not sure. Maybe you could shed some light on this. If somebody was to come up to me and say, hey, uh, we want to run a Monster butt body on your truck, and we'll pay for however many Monster Mutt bodies you can wreck, I'd say, cool, I'm going to wreck that thing every weekend. (laughs) You better order 12 Monster Mutt bodies if I have 12 shows. Uh, On the other hand, I can understand having your identity taken away from you and having this possibly go down the route of the BKT tires and have it be a requirement to run with us, if you will. So... I can see both sides of this. Uh, I think that if you're an Avenger camp guy and, and you uh, can run another body and maybe that helps a little bit with cost, great. You've given the independents a little more cash to put in their pocket. If they're paying for everything, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts on the whole body thing before we get into uh, the first quarter events we'll be attending and what we're seeing?
1: Well, I mean, to look at it from, say, the perspective of Monster Jam, um You know, you have all of these brands and identities already established, and you have expectations, I guess, if you will, of fans expecting to see a Monster Mine, an El Toro Loco, a Scooby-Doo, a zombie, etc. at every show. Um, And in the past, you couldn't guarantee that because, well, there's only but so many company trucks to go around and only so many, you know, people available to, you know, fit the mold, if you will. Um, So I get it. It's, uh, you know, why promote or why feature names that you don't own, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, or you don't have rights to or you don't have merchandise in the stands for. Um, So I think from a business perspective, it's kind of wise for them. It's probably going to add a lot of workload to the fiberglass folks uh, having to churn out that much, many, that many more bodies before first quarter. Um, But you know, I think it makes sense strictly from a business perspective. Now for me as a fan, uh, you know, it's kind of disappointing that, you know, you, there's not as much uniqueness, I guess you could say from show to show, because now just about every show is going to have a Scooby-Doo, a Monster Mutt this, a El Toro Loco that, or, you know, whatever of the, the repeating chains of brands and names. Um, but, you know, I, yeah. I get it, you know. I get it. It's just, I you know, there are certain names and connections that you're just kind of used to. You're used to seeing a Brad Allen in Brutus, or yeah. you know, hey man, uh, let's Brian let's Reiden talk about
0: Huck. what we were just talking about with 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 Mike Thompson. The dude made a connection with those fifty thousand, and they're going to go. That was the dude that drove that, that drove wrecking crew. Where's wrecking crew first quarter? Nowhere. <laughs> Scooby Doo. Yeah. And there's that and so, disconnect, so uh, I, I can understand you, you want to market names, but you know now they don't see Wrecking Crew until April.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know it, it's it's one of those weird deals there that you know some drivers have already kind of established a name and a, a recognition and a connection, um, you know, with a certain truck, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, did you change teams or something? No, it's still the same team. We just you know we threw one of their bodies on and you know we're representing their brand but you know we're it's still our piece you know it's kind of hard to explain to the common fan that's maybe not a, a passionate monster truck follower they maybe don't get it but yeah. um you know it's you know it, it can be beneficial to monster jam it can be beneficial to the independents as well um i you know being the nerdy curmudgeon that i am you know i'm kind of like ah, grumble i don't really like the idea of you know Everything being so homogenized, I guess. Yeah. Um. But I understand it. I mean, it does make good business sense for for Monster Jam, you know. It, if it if it makes
0: good business sense for both parties, that's that's my sticking point. Is if if they're getting the independents are getting either some extra cash in their pocket or free bodies, even. Okay. I I, I get it. I get why you would do that. There are those that would say, ah, you sold out or whatever. Uh, at a certain point, some people run this run this show as an independent, and they're cool if they break even. At a certain point, some people have to depend on this to put dinner on the table. Uh, I think that it depends on your own situation. I think it depends on if it's a good deal for you. After that, we can argue technicalities.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we see this growing even further into the future that, you know, more and more of the independent side of the world is going to be running, you know, Monster Jam identities for, you know, Monster Jam events. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if we see, you know, a lot of, a, a majority of the independents, which I think we're probably close to now, running, you know, Monster Jam identities. It just makes good business sense for Monster Jam to continue to have their branding and their identities of, you know, in every event. And, you know, if, if you can go to the merch stand and get a zombie or an El Toro Loco or Scooby-Doo or a monster mod or, you know, insert brand name here, you can go and get that merch and then see it right down there on the floor. You know, people are going to make that connection that much easier. Uh, you know, people want to go see, you know, whatever, you know, identity that they've come to follow. You know, there's probably more than enough times that, You can go on to social media and see, you know, an event posting that says, hey, you know, come to Detroit or whatever and be like, oh, I really want to see Scooby-Doo. Well, there's only but so many Scooby-Doo's and there's not a Scooby-Doo at this show. Well, now they've really increased the likelihood that, hey, if you're going to go to a show, you're going to see a Scooby-Doo or, you know, insert brand name here. Um, So, you know, you've kind of taken that out of the equation, if you will. The, the other aspect is,
0: just to touch on it real quick before we move to the first quarter stuff and then wrap this puppy up, no pun intended, is, uh, hey. Hey, uh, you know, that is kind of a, a vote of confidence for Monster Jam, I think, if they were to ask you to run a body, because uh, they are asking you to represent their brand or the Scooby-Doo brand or the Monster Mutt brand or whatever the case may be. Uh, that's another way to look at it. Just trying to cover all the angles here, be unbiased. To uh, you know, that could be looked at as a vote of confidence. Hey, we trust you with this name. That you know, these guys have built up everybody from Bobby Z to everybody in between. You know, uh, that's run a Monster Mutt uh, or a, or a Scooby Doo or any of those. They're trusting you with the brand, and they don't have as much control over you as maybe they would over their own uh, company trucks. So, I mean, that's that's another way to look at it. There's a lot of things to unpack there. Uh, I think we did a pretty good job there though.
1: Yeah. um, You know, looking in ahead you know, to first quarter and you were, you know, kind of bringing up the vote of confidence and uh, one name that kind of came to mind and I was scrolling through Instagram before we got rolling through this was uh, Travis Mowry, you know, and the vote of confidence that he got to not only, you know, be elevated into kind of the stadium tour environment uh, in his first, after just one year of driving, Uh, with Tim Mente's operation, but uh, for those that may not have noticed, uh, Mente's operation actually went down to South America to run with some of the Monster Jam events that they've had down in uh, Santiago, Chile, and Sao Paulo, Brazil, Mm -hmm. most recently. And, uh, you know, Travis, in his very first stadium show, I believe, if not his first stadium show, his first Monster Jam stadium show, uh, went out there and threw down a pretty awesome freestyle run with the NEA body on his chassis, uh, did a really great job, you know, and that's somebody that, again, you know, you kind of get that vote of confidence in that, you know, a, they've, you know, put their, you know, they've got him driving in a big stadium tour this coming season and they're, you know, having him behind the wheel of one of their identities as well. You know, that's a guy that, you know, is super passionate about monster trucks and has been for a long time for those that don't know Travis's background. His father briefly owned the wild hair truck Um, They campaigned it for a few years before getting out of it. But after that, you know, Travis stayed super passionate about the sport. You know, he was always involved in RCs and, you know, all over with that. He dabbled a little bit in motocross, but he was always really dedicated to being involved with monster trucks. Uh, Spent a little bit of time working with the Sudden Impact Camp and then found himself as a a full-time crew chief. Over with Monster Jam, turning wrenches on Todd LeDuc's equipment, and then eventually on the Matt Byton's truck before, kind of stepping away from Monster Jam due to some things back home, and you know found himself in the opportunity to drive for Mente. And uh, you know, I think the future is bright for a guy like him. And then he's running with Steve Thompson, and Steve's a proven himself to be a very good driver as well. Love seeing great stuff
0: out of the Mente camp. Love to talk to any of the three of them, and uh, discuss the world at large, Monster Trucks. Good to see a guy come from uh, the humble beginnings and make it all the way through. So, yeah, real excited to see that. Uh, I'm segueing this a little bit into the shows that I'm going to be at because everybody can check their own personal schedules, like I said. I got Oakland coming up in, uh, in mid-February, and then before that I've got uh, Sacramento in mid-January. Uh, so I'll get to see two distinctly different shows, at least by, by uh, most accountings anyway. Uh, so I'm excited. I, I'm looking forward to seeing this and uh, taking some pictures for you guys up on the website, allmonster.com. Uh, dust has been holding down the photos, and I think it's about time I dust the old camera off and get some stuff going and give you guys, a course of course, some podcasts in between that and during first quarter, our impressions. And uh, I'm excited, man. I'm going to get to see uh, you know everybody from you know the, the growth guys to uh, Cynthia Gauthier to... Tristan England, Bernard Light, Castro, uh, Kristen Anderson, Camden Murphy. I mean, there's some exciting young names in there. And get to see them in Sacramento. And then we go to the to the veteran, a little more veteran lineup. We will get to see uh, Pirate's Curse, Corey Rummel edition. We are talking about the bodies. Uh, Scooby Drew with Mike Thompson. Then, of course some of the young guns are in there too we got Rosalie Raymer in Wildflower that's a def- definitely been a name that's been on the up and up and then uh, the overboard and I'm assuming Black Pearl combination will be there as well and then of course you know there's these couple of guys may have heard of them before Charlie Pawkin and uh, Tom Mintz. so they will be there for a couple of stadium shows in Oakland so I'm really excited to see how all of that turns out. I think it's going to be interesting to have that perspective of an arena show and a stadium show and see similarities and the differences in the modern uh, modern times in 2018. See what's being marketed. See what's being shown. Unpack
1: that burrito a little bit, Dustin. Yeah, well, and I mean, you were talking about some of the fresh faces and stuff like that that's uh, coming through Oakland. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, and I'm double-checking now to be sure because I don't want to talk out of my backside here and i think i may be wrong i thought that uh that the uh, young swanson was going to be on that tour i think maybe he got switched out i'm not sure eric swanson is he on there i don't i'm probably clicking around in the wrong things but uh that's what you get when you're unprepared kids stay in school study hard (laughs) eat burritos watch
0: slap wheelies and do your homework darn it obsessed driven by eric swanson is a part of the lineup according to monster jams website
1: Yeah. Uh, As always, kids, subject to change. Yes. Um, (laughs) In the event that that uh, suddenly becomes different before this thing gets released over the next day or so. Um, You know, Eric Swanson's, uh, you know, continue to improve as a driver, coming out with another new piece from that team. Um, You know, he's been fun to watch. The kid's not afraid to get after it and go big. He's got a couple of freestyle wins under his belt, Um, he's throwing a couple of backflips put himself into the double down showdown finals this year. You know, he's a good driver, you know, second generation guy that's lived it, and breathed it. Um, and then, you know, speaking of second generation, you know, same thing with that tour, Colt Stevens bringing out the brand new Brodozer, you know, there's obviously some questions kind of lingering about how the diesel is going to do, but, You know, they're putting that thing on a big stadium tour. I'm pretty sure they feel pretty confident in what that thing is going to be capable of doing and that it's going to be 110% competitive. There's going to be eyes on it because it's associated with the Diesel brothers. And, you know, Colt has proven himself to be a fantastic driver. You know, you just look down to Sao Paulo this past weekend. He got elevated into driving Max D for the occasion and did a fantastic job, represented the team well, you know, uh, put down a fantastic freestyle. He's a you know fun driver to watch. He he's
0: growing the beard out. I see you, Colt. Go get living the gimmick. That's good. Uh he's he's also uh he's driving that thing like he's still driving what was the name of that truck? Had the had the terrible entrance music and
1: are you saying the one that was kind of like dark and mysterious? Yeah, yeah. It looked like uh really really like a a Darth Vader almost looking helmet
0: that's right yeah yeah so he's driving it like that thing and uh yeah
1: that that tick thing (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and it looked uh it looks like he has no fear behind the wheel uh like uh Apple doesn't fall far from the tree and I'm excited to see what he can do with that definitely after seeing the uh the Diesel Brothers test the trucks I know they're not scared I know the Colt's not scared that's uh it's gonna be a very competitive tour you know uh of course we'll get to see uncle mark mark schrader's out there as well chuck werner just discussing him uh jolly you know there, there's just no there's no slouching in this field Buto is in it Rummel is in it like and and you just top to bottom i see excitement and a two-day stadium deal yeah i'm gonna take a lot of pictures man and it's gonna have a lot of cool stuff to talk about when we're uh when we're to that point i think by mid-february pretty much everybody's gonna have their stuff dialed in and uh and rock it out. Oakland's a fun show. Haven't been able to attend a show in Oakland, so you know, you guys know we did the Midwest thing in the, the Carolinas area. Now, uh, now all Monster expands to the West Coast, and more than just uh, more than just a couple people. We used to have Eric Myers, a couple other guys come out there and take photos. Now you get to see uh, see what I see in the stadiums on the West Coast.
1: Yeah, uh, myself, I'll, I'll end up on the uh, the left coast there a few different times this year following Stadium Tour 1. Um, I've blathered enough about how much awesomeness is packed into that lineup, so I'm not going to ramble too much. But anytime you have the likes of Adam Anderson, Todd LaDuke, Neil Elliott, Jim Kohler, Steve Sims, Brian Wright, uh, Bryce Kenny, Shane England, Brad Allen... Brianna Mahan, the, I don't know how many of them I just missed on that Matt pagley Jr. J.R. McNeil, Roy Pridgeon. like, it's a killer lineup. That's going to be fun to watch all year long. I've blathered enough about it before in past podcasts, but, um, it's going to be an exciting tour to watch. Um, looking around at some of the others, um, you know, there's plenty of awesome competition to go down and around on, uh, some of the other stadium tours. You know, I'm looking at, uh, Ryan Anderson, you know, with the, and Leo Donald are going to be going head to head all first quarter long. Uh, you've got, uh, overkill evolution. Mike Votter's a second, you know, he's somebody that can go in there and kind of give those guys, uh, you know, a good run for their money. Um, You know, that truck, when it's on kill, is very tough to beat, especially in freestyle. Mikey is an animal behind the wheels in freestyle. He's one of those guys that can really give Ryan Anderson a run for his money. He may not be doing moonwalks and all that, but when it comes to just pure, raw, badass freestyleness with big air and momentum and crazy jumps and backflips and whatever... Mikey Voters is one of those guys that can, can hold his own against somebody like Ryan Anderson. He is not scared. I'm also looking at a few lineups. and
0: How about seeing Tyler Menninger, Colton Eichelberger, and Bari Musauer facing off in arenas every weekend? I, I am yeah. jealous of that tour. You know, there, There's a lot there to talk about. We need to get Barry back at the stadiums. Don't get me wrong here. Uh, it, is, it is outstanding to me uh, that there are point series. It is outstanding to me that they keep track of these things and and that that progression has happened. On the other hand, part of me goes, you know, I would really like to see them mix up some of the stadiums and the arenas, make it a little more, for lack of better words, either regional or make it a little easier on some of these guys to make the trips that they're making. Uh, And then on top of that, like I said, mix up the stadiums and the arenas. The true champion, the true amazing driver, Guys like Bari Musauer, guys like Cody Saussier, some of those guys. You put them anywhere, and they're gonna they're gonna be right up there at the top. Uh, only stadiums or only arenas does not a 10 out of 10 monster truck driver make. I think that if you look at that, maybe mix these up a little bit. Maybe I'm living in fantasy land, dream world, uh, probably. But I would love to see Bari go from a from an arena getting the wheelie contest victory to a stadium competing for the racing championship and everything in between so much talent there.
1: Uh, You can't confine that in an arena or a stadium, put them in both mix it up. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, that trio kind of going head to head. That was kind of what it was supposed to be last year before Tom got injured and then Colton had to jump up and fill the void. Um, You know, that is going to be an exciting trio to watch throughout first quarter. You know, those guys are going to go to war. Um, you know, that's all very friendly rivalries, but they're going to get after it. Those guys are all super competitive and are going to go all out to try and, you know, bring home another title. They all want to be in Vegas. Um, and, you know, again, kind of to bounce off of your point and wanting to see, you know, that level of talent, you know, get some stadium time. Uh, Colt Neichelberger proved that he is definitely capable of going back and forth. I mean, you look at some of the freestyle runs that he put down during his time on the FS1 East series before he was going back and forth to the arena series. Um, you know, Tyler's freestyle run in Vegas was spectacular. Barry's proven that he's great in the stadium environment as well. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I want to see, you know, some of these names and faces that are, you know, honing their skills primarily inside of arenas and really not getting any stadium time to get a shot and really get to show what they can do outside of a hockey arena, you know, take them away from the dashers, let them open things up a little bit and, you know, showcase their abilities. hundred percent, man. Well, uh, there's a lot of stuff to
0: talk about for first quarter and a lot of questions coming in from you guys about that as we're getting into sort of that final crunch before, We start crunching things. First quarter is going to be cool. Lots of excitement. And if you don't have anything else, we're going to save the rest of that for the part two that isn't called part two. Uh, The next podcast, we take your questions, your comments, everything from there. We're going to be recording these back to back. So you can't send something in now. But if you want to for maybe a third edition, feel free. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. It's all the all monster. Of course, here on YouTube, it is all monster videos. You can subscribe on iTunes. All of the social medias, man, and, of course, it's all allmonster.com. Dustin, any final thoughts before we move into the user questions, the viewer, watcher, listener, Monster Truck Nerd questions?
1: Uh, Shout-out to fellow Monster Truck Nerd. Um, I don't believe we've discussed this on the most recent podcast, but a uh, good friend of ours, Christian Norman, um, he's been piloting one of Jimmy Creighton's pieces for the uh, – summer shows yes uh, yes recently made the move over to the bigfoot camp and is going to be driving one of the trucks over there uh i think they're still kind of trying to figure out everything over on that side of the world as far as who's driving what this coming year but uh look forward to christian doing some big things over there uh, fantastic dude somebody that is incredibly passionate about monster trucks lives it sleeps it breathes it you know eats it um He's been a good friend of mine for a long time but good friend of uh, the site um you know one of those guys that just truly loves this stuff and so for him to be able to go over and find himself a new home with the bigfoot camp uh i see great things happening there uh he's somebody that can really help them grow things to another level and uh really excited to see what christian can bring to the table for the bigfoot camp
0: good call man absolutely a great way to end this thing off congratulations to Christian and uh, the entire Bigfoot operation man great to see you guys doing that big thing out there and wish you the best of luck during first quarter so we'll be talking about first quarter and a bunch of other stuff in the next podcast for right now encouraging you to subscribe here on YouTube as well as on all the social medias follow subscribe you guys know what to do it's on the screen and thank you for listening we hope to see you in the next one peace